streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jordan Hill. Got the whole crew with me this week, Rusty Mansell and Kip Adams. There's a lot to get into on today's episode, but we want to start um, the only way I feel like we, we should. Talking about the news from Sunday, obviously, tragedy struck Georgia football. Uh, Devin Willick, Chandler LaCroix, passed away in a car accident. Devin was 20 years old. Chandler, who was a recruiting staffer, was 24 years old. Um, Obviously, the football program, the community of Athens, and really the fan base as a whole has been trying to cope with this news um, coming off the hills of the championship parade and coming off of the close of a really successful season, obviously football is on the back burner after losing these two young people um, so suddenly, so tragically Sunday. Um, I'm sure felt like a blur for a lot of people around the program. And, you know, I f- felt like it was only right that we talk a little bit about, um, you know, sort of what we knew about um, Devin specifically because you know, we had a chance to, spent a little bit more time and you know I went back this morning and watched uh, when we interviewed him I think it was March 29th and, and Devin was in the mix um, he was one of those guys they thought you know could get in the mix and ultimately he did he wound up playing a good bit during that 2022 season and you know I, I didn't know Devin Willick that well I made sure you know on our board to make that clear but um you know, you, you could just tell from that interview we had with him, very team first player. He was asked about being on the scout team during the 2021 season, you know, in the past, um, kind of coming up. And uh, he talked about whatever I can do to get better, whatever I can do to help the people around me get better. And, you know, in the aftermath of his passing, seeing some of the videos from those media days where, you know, he's he's goofing off with his teammates, arguing about uh you know, he's a New Jersey guy, so he was talking about bagels over, uh, you know, biscuits and, and arguing with Tate Rattledge and those guys. And, um, you know, see so many pictures of him smiling. That was the thing that I think's been what I've heard the most about Devin Willick is that he was always smiling. Uh, Jason Holt on the basketball team talked about that yesterday. Some of those guys on the basketball team were really close with Devin and, and some of the other football players. You know, they're not very far uh, from the football facility, so they get to spend some time with those guys. And and Jason Holt said Devin was always smiling, and you know seeing the pictures of you know Andrew Smart up on Devin's shoulders after the championship game, and um, you know I just want to say, and I'll, I'll throw it to Rusty, and then Kip, you can chime in as well. But you know my thoughts and prayers are with everyone who knew both of them, Devin and Chandler. Uh, I can't imagine again, I didn't know Devin and I felt like I was very much in shock at the news. So to have known 
him to have played with him to have worked with either of them i can't imagine what those people are going through these last few days and just wanted to send my condolences to everyone who knew them um rusty i wanted to just give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about um and your thoughts, your feelings after this news. Uh, Devin was a young man that kind of came on the scene late for us. Um, he was committed to Penn State. Matt Luke takes the job for Sam Pittman. And one of the guys that left the program when Sam Pittman left was Josh Braun, who went to Florida. What that did was open up a spot, an offensive guard spot. And Devin Willick had came to Georgia in June. Uh, I tweeted it that he had rode a Greyhound from New Jersey to Athens to earn an offer. Well, no, if you saw, but one of the first comments was University of Georgia, former coach and off the field guy now, um, really the right-hand man for Kirby Smart, Mike Cabin. He responded on that tweet and said, hey, he rode the bus here twice. So that tells you how bad he wanted to be a Georgia Bulldog. And no disrespect to Penn State, but that's not where he wanted to go. And when he had the opportunity to, to jump on an offer after – Matt Luke got here and a spot opened up. That's who he signed. And, you know, without getting into too many details, uh, Matt Luke was one of the first people on the scene at the hospital. He's still pretty close to their family. So, you know, as Kirby Smart and the team started getting the word out to some people, uh, Matt Luke was one of the first ones they called. And Matt Luke, I think, was there around 5 a.m. at the hospital, spent most of the day with the family. His aunt and uncle live in Gainesville. So he had a connection to the state of Georgia. So you look at all those things and uh, Chandler, LaCroix, obviously when your work as a recruiting staffer and she's a full-timer, so she knows these kids, she knows their families. She knows their families sometimes better than the coaches do because they have to stay in contact. They're around them so much. So I had a chance to interview Mary Beth Smart Saturday morning in Athens and we got talking about the Kirby Smart Foundation. Well, she brought up um, a young lady that was injured, uh, Tori, the Tori Bowles. She brought up Tori Bowles and said, this young lady is a huge deal, not only to recruiting, but us and the foundation, some of the things that we do. And that was the first time I'd heard her name. And then obviously the next morning, uh, I hear her name. So, you know, Kirby smart, uh, extremely close with her and these players and, you know, Warren McClendon, where do you go with him to, um, you know, I had a text last night that Warren McClendon and, Xavier Trust, about six or seven players, went back over Sunday afternoon and just spent a couple of hours just standing there. Um, probably didn't have to say much. They just wanted to be there and kind of, you know, that's that's the way they're dealing with the with the, with this, you know, tragedy. So, you know, I called you, Jordan, and we text and talked around seven a.m. I had gotten a text and I wasn't sure, you know, if that was even true because I did the same thing you did. I Twitter searched everything, social media. And didn't see anything. So at that point, I thought maybe this is some bad information. And then uh, we talked early and, and found out, obviously, that it wasn't. But uh, there's no training for this. There's no training for how to cover this. There's no training. We really didn't know what to do with the, with the message board, the community. Uh, but I think about Kirby Smart. I think about Stacey Searles, all those coaches that uh, had to stand in front of those young men on Sunday. I heard that was a very, very emotional Team meeting. I think Thomas Settles is a, is a team chaplain. I heard he was just extremely strong in the moment. Uh, was able to meet with a lot of different people. Uh, Brian Gant, who is a huge key piece um, of, of this program, 
he spoke a lot and he was, I think, I think Brian Gant was the first person on the scene for any of this as a university of Georgia representative. So, you know, you got to, he's got to deal with what he saw and those types of things. So I made a note yesterday and I do have a connection in Athens that kind of knows people around the hospital and said it was just a, even the people working there were extremely upset. You know, when you have two young people, you have to bring their bodies somewhere for, for a little while. And you got third one fighting for their life and all these university of Georgia players start showing up and families are there. You know, it just, just gotta be a surreal moment that nobody has training for. So I pray for all those people, pray for these families, these coaches, these players. Uh, but, I, but I'll say this, um, you know, what a year Devin Willick had and you watch him at LSU game and what he did to Harold Perkins was a big piece of that game and how successful Georgia was. And, uh, we'll get into more and more about this as we go on. But I think Devin Willick was a guy that had turned the corner. You all saw, uh, I'm sure Kip did the same thing I did. You go back and look at his recruiting profile and he looks like a different human being. I mean, this guy was, he was not in the best shape. I mean, but he was 6'6", 340 pounds and he had worked himself into this position. So, um, just really glad when you go back and look that he was able to be a, a, a key member of this team this year. And, um, you know, young man that wanted to go to Georgia, obviously when you ride two Greyhounds at six foot six from New Jersey to, to Athens, Georgia, uh, tells you how bad you want to be here. But my, my thoughts, prayers, condolences with everyone, first responders, staff members, chaplains, families, uh, these players, it's just, a. Just no training, man. Don't have the word. It's been a it's been a really really hard time for everyone that's around this team, covers this team, uh, involved with this team. Kip, uh, any thoughts, uh, feelings you want to share? Gosh, I mean, it's been nothing but thoughts the the last you know two to three days. I mean, we all kind of posted on the board just our reaction. You know, you, you hit the pause button on. Uh, you know, you, you can't really think about writing about football at that point. And, you know, this type of trauma, I mean, it there is nothing more difficult than what, you know, they're going through right now. And if you live long enough, you, uh, you experience the loss of someone in your life. And the fact that it's so difficult is the way it should be. You know, this is not something that should ever be something we're used to or that we can prepare for. And the highs and lows, you cannot experience more of a high and low than what the Georgia program experienced 10 hours after celebrating, you know, everything that they had been working for, winning a national championship and just seeing the photos, you know, of Devin Willick, seeing the photos shared by, you know, a fan, a grandfather, Sam Kramer of Devin Willick, you know, just spending time uh, uh, with this, you know, with this kid and seeing, you know, Devin Willick having Andrew Smart on his shoulders, you know, the smile he had on his face. You know, these are not, it, it hits different when these are people who we thought had the rest of their lives ahead of them, you know, 20, what, 24 years old. Chandler as well. I mean, all you read and hear about and the reactions that have come since then is just, you know, the smiles that they brought to the program. You know, when you see a, a prospect like King Joseph Edwards talking about how, you know, he had problems getting in to, to do the stadium celebration and Chandler helped him. And, 
you know, this, the impact that they had just inside the program, because at the end of the day, this is a family and they've lost two of their family members, you know, and for me, I, I lost my mom, you know, a little over two years ago. And there's not a moment that goes by that I don't think about it. And it hits me. It hits me like it's the same day. You know, I remember being in this chair when I got the call uh, that my mom had passed and and being devastated. So to go from celebrating a championship to now being in mourning and, and just the fact that right now that they are going through the grieving process and it is, you know, really important. Uh, the support system they have, they are having to circle, you know, and and, and kind of come together and, and try to figure things out and, and learn how to to go back into the process of the day-to-day -day actions. I mean, coach, the Georgia coaches had to go out on the road. They didn't have to, but they went, you know, they had the option. They were, you know, given the option to go out on the road and they're, they're continuing, you know, to, to move on. And that's kind of where we're all at right now, where, you know, there, there's going to be developments in the football program and the world is going to go on. Uh, and we, we just have to kind of learn to do that together while still remembering you know, just the impact the, the, these two young people had, not just in the Georgia program, you know, but throughout college football, you saw the reactions from other college programs pouring in, you know, coaches, uh, just anyone whose lives were touched by the by these two people. And I think it's just important to for everyone to remember, you know, how impressive they were and, and to celebrate the life they had, but also to remember how quickly, you know, it could be taken away and that, uh, you know, we are, we are mortal and we do have a limited time on this earth. And it, it definitely was a reminder just to, uh, to try to increase the value uh, in, in every day and in, in every minute. And a reminder to, I mean, just to tell your loved ones, you love them. And that was, you know, that's kind of my immediate reaction and just uh, the overall shock should not go away. And I, I think uh, the Georgia, fan base and the program uh, it, you know they're all coming together uh and they're all hurt but uh everyone's going to you know it, we're going to continue trying to do what what we know what to do and 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 that is cover georgia football and, and georgia athletics in general yeah kip talked about what i think will be my lasting memory was you know, after a long day on Saturday that Devin Willock took some time to to make a kid's day by taking a picture with him. And, you know, nobody knew the magnitude of that moment and what was to come. But, I mean, to me, again, I didn't know Devin personally, but that that shows me, I think, all I needed to know about Devin Willock, that he did something like that. Again, you know, Saturday was a long day, but, I mean, he made that kid's day. And, and, and I mean, to me, that that's about all I can say. And Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart putting out the tweet Sunday night with his son. I mean, you you know that he was laying there at eleven thirty at night thinking about those two kids and the picture of his son on you know at the 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 highest point of the year they won a national championship and his son's getting carried off the field by Devin. You know, eight days later he's no longer here. So you you know um, can, can imagine what he was going through and what he is going to go through. And you're going to go to two services at some point and, and bury two people, uh, from your football program. So, I mean, it's, a there's a lot left of, as Kip says, grieving time. There's a lot left going with these young men and, and young women. Um, but, uh, these two services are going to be, whew. and then, uh, 
Warren McClendon. You yeah. have to think about Warren McClendon. Also yep. in the car, released from the hospital, you know, expected to, to be okay. But at the same time, he's having to carry that with him. You know, the, just that the, he was there and, you know, he is still here. And you have to be, you know, the support system more important than ever with him, the people around him, making sure that, you know, he goes through the process and, and that he gets, you know, as many people to, to listen to him as he needs as, as he works through this process and, and, and you know, uh, if and when he's, you know, ready to return to football is secondary right now because uh, he, he's, you know, like you said, the grieving process is going to be a different one for him because him being in that car and, and you know, surviving. So uh, that's something I, I've really been thinking about, you know, uh, with Warren and, and, you know, just the fact that, you know, he was – he in preparing for the NFL, you know, the NFL draft, uh, you know, heavily on, on his mind after, you know, celebrating what he did with it, with his brothers and his family. And, and now he's, you know, he's definitely got a lot, a lot more in his mind and, and a lot to think about over the next couple of weeks and months. So definitely thinking about Warren McClendon as well. And, and also Tory Boyles, you know, still are recovering from, from the accident. So it's, you know, four people directly involved and, and a lot of people, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're all affected by this, but Warren's definitely one that, you know, to, to keep your mind on in these coming days. As we said, we want to extend our thoughts and prayers to everybody affected. I mean, fans as well, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's one of those situations where, as it was said earlier, I mean, this really is a family from within the program out. And everybody's hurting after something like this. And, you know, I think we can all lean on each other and, and try to, you know, try to move forward when we can. But obviously it's a very difficult situation, again, um, to have something like this happen. Um, but uh, it's one of those things that everybody can lean on each other to try to get through it. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, we are going to talk about some of the news around the program, some of the other things that have been going on transfer portal draft things, but we wanted to make sure to talk about Devin Willick and Chandler LaCroix and again, extend uh, our thoughts and prayers to everybody affected. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome back, everybody. Um, going to look at uh, this time of year, part of um, the aftermath of a season is players moving on, getting ready to go to the NFL. And uh, we've had that happen with Georgia. To this point, 13 players have publicly uh, declared 
Um, we're still waiting to hear word on Cedric Van Pran and Lab McConkie, so potentially that number could grow to 15. But uh, Georgia obviously is going to lose some big-time contributors to that 2022 national championship team, as we expected. Um, I want to start with you, Rusty. What uh, of these guys are leaving for the NFL, both you know the, the group that had exhausted eligibility, which would have been Stetson Bennett, um, it would have also been Robert Bill and Chris Smith, and also the guys who have declared. Um, which position group do you feel like is hurt the most as far as the losses to the NFL, or if there's just a single player um, that the loss of him going to the NFL is the biggest that Georgia has to fill in this coming year? It'd have to be quarterback. I mean, I've said this a million times. Um, Stetson Bennett one of the best big game quarterbacks I've ever seen. Now he, he would come out and he would go 13 for 18 with no touchdowns against the Missouri and a Kentucky. And some of those games he played in Kent state, he just looked like he was average as grits, but I'm telling you right now, the bigger, the, the bigger, the moment Stetson Bennett balled. And I don't care what your opinion of him is. And we can talk about his Saturday demeanor at some other point. But uh, when you start talking about, the fourth quarter of the national championship against Alabama, he was seven for seven. When they when when Alabama took the lead, he went seven for seven. Two drives, two touchdowns. And then when Ohio State was up 14, he goes 10 for 12 for 203 um, and two touchdowns. And then just carved up TCU like a Thursday afternoon walkthrough, to be honest, to, for lack of a better term. So, um to replace Stetson Bennett is the absolute question in this offseason because I think Georgia has built a roster that is deep. They have sustained the most draft picks in the history of college football, and they won the national championship again, and then they went 15-0. and 0. Uh, They lost some people. They got some guys that left. But I think Chris Smith is the second guy that I would think because – Chris Smith, along with Stetson Bennett, I think Kip would agree, outplayed his ranking by a million times. And I still don't think that Chris Smith is the most athletic dude, but he is one of the most instinctive football players. And I'm very curious to how the NFL will evaluate him because Chris Smith can play every special teams and he can play in dime package for sure, I think, in the NFL. So, he just he just loves the game, and he got so much better. And um, he's not going to blow people away with his – I don't think he's going to blow people away with his workout, but I think his tape and his football intellect and his tackling ability, Chris Smith, would get you to the ground. And um, I think that's where – I think that those two guys, if you want to start talking about the senior guys, you have to start with Stetson Bennett. And then I think you say who is going to be opposite, who's going to play that safety because to play safety – at Georgia is a hell of a job to make those calls for, for Glenn Schumann, Kirby Smart defense. Kip, uh, specifically on losing Stetson and Chris Smith, uh, what are your thoughts and, and the impact of leaving, you know, losing those guys and whoever's going to step up in their place? Specifically with Stetson, you have to hope that the other quarterbacks in the room were watching him. Uh, I think we got extra access in, in the college football playoffs and the SC championship to the team. And what really struck me was, I mean, the players really started coming out and telling you how much of a film junkie Stetson Bennett is and just how much work he put in to his opponent. You know, when you, when you start 
hearing that he was there 10, 11 p.m., you know, Cedric Van Pram would, would text Stetson about something he saw, and then Stetson would, would you know, walk into the offensive line room and say, you know, I was just watching something like that. I'm watching film too. Um, he may not, you know, he may not have, uh, you know, double degrees coming out of Georgia, but Stetson definitely got his PhD as far as football. I mean, he spent as much time as he possibly could trying to be the best quarterback that he could. And I think, it, you know, whether it's Carson Beck, Brock Vandergriff or, or, you know, Gunnar Stockton, you got to hope that they they saw that and it rubbed off on them and they had that same mentality. They might already be like that, but you definitely, that aspect of Stetson Bennett, you definitely, you know, hope that they bring into next season because, I mean, that's, in a Todd Monken offense, you're going to have to, you, you know, be able to know a lot of formations, a lot of looks, a lot of the same looks, different plays. And, and you know, they ask a lot of their quarterbacks at the, at the line of scrimmage, you know. And so that's real big. And, yeah, Chris Smith, the, the impact that he had, and the guy just made plays. And Russie's right. If we're talking about what he put on film, he should go at the end of the second, you know, maybe early third round. You know, that's the type of player he he can be at, at the next level. I, I think, you know, testing – He's not going to blow up the combine. I don't, I mean, he, he may do pretty well, but we're not talking about, you know, a guy that's just going to, you know, people are going to be looking at their, their watch and, and wondering like, wow, you know, how did I miss that? And I, I think that, you know, he might measure. Okay. We'll, we'll see. But as far as what he does when he's on the field, uh, I mean, he's one of the, the most productive safeties Georgia's ever had. You know, and we're going back to guys like Sean Jones, you know, just a guy that when he's on the field, he found the football. He didn't take bad angles and, and he is not afraid to lower the shoulder. You couldn't ask for anything more than a safety. And he was not a guy that, uh, you know, got you a lot of penalties. And in today's game, uh, with with the emphasis on safety, and you have a very small window to where you, you, you can, you know, lower the shoulder into a guy. And, and Chris Smith, you know, he had that down. And he's not the biggest guy, but still, you know, when he hits you, you knew it and you could hear it, you know, it popped. So definitely just a, a big time player there. And I just, just to continue that, a real big thing in the off season for Kirby Smart every year is, is where is he going to find his leadership from? And I kind of look at that edge room, you know, Robert Beal, obviously being around the program a long time, but also Nolan Smith, you know, even when he got hurt, uh, his impact on the program was seen every single day. You, you didn't you didn't go a day or two without having a video put out by Georgia or you just seeing in the college football playoffs his impact on the sideline. He, you know, he was basically another support staff member out there, another coach on the field. And so I think that room is obviously going to be a lot younger next year. They're going to be asking a lot of, uh, you know, some freshmen probably. And so that's kind of that, that that's a, a big loss in that position room. Uh, with the loss of Robert Beal and Owens, but just a lot of experience. These guys have played a lot of football and to see the highs and lows. And so now you're kind of asking the much younger guys, Chas Chambliss, Marvin Jones Jr., Darius Smith. These are guys that you're going to be looking upon to, to kind of uh, step into those roles. And those are pretty young guys to ask to step into those roles. So it's just where is that leadership going to be on, on the defense going into the next year, next spring is something that, yeah, we'll all be watching. Yeah, the leadership aspect of it is something that really intrigues me. And I wanted to make sure I mentioned, too, you talked about Stetson Bennett watching film. 
talked to Brock Bowers after that game, after the national title game, and just asked him about Stetson. And he said, man, there are mornings I'll wake up and I'll have a text from Stetson at like 1 or 2 a.m. Hey, I was watching film. I saw this. He's like, Brock was like, and what are you doing up? Do you not ever sleep? But I think that that goes into what Kip was saying and, and the big piece of what they're going to have to replace. You know, whoever wins this job, there's going to be a little bit of growing pains because this is going to be a first time starter at this level. And one thing I'll say, too, with the schedule, the way it's set up and they don't really get tested. I think they go what they go to. They got South Carolina at home. At home. Yeah. I mean, they really might not get tested until that Auburn game, like mm-hmm. tested, tested. So you just don't know. We could be sitting here mid-October going, what does Georgia have at quarterback? Because they're just going to – they could potentially just run through people again. So I think this is going to be real fascinating. I think the decision on Cedric Van Pran going or staying is going to be large. And I say that in – I didn't really know how big of uh, somebody just said the Tennessee game. The Tennessee game is the second to last game this year. I don't know if people know that. That will be uh, right before Georgia Tech, which is crazy. We got all offseason to discuss that, but I was shocked at how late the Tennessee game is. Um, but uh, I didn't realize kind of how big of, um, I would say, role that Cedric Van Pran plays. I was told by a couple of people that he was the guy. I mean, he is the guy in the locker room. And if you notice, he was the one that rode in the front of the parade with Stetson. So if they're able to get Cedric Van Pran back, that means you don't have to replace a quarterback and a center. So this decision, as far as on the field, off the field, going into next season, this was a big one. If they can get, if he winds up staying, that is a huge deal for the for this football season for University of Georgia because he is. Um, I, I was told by a couple of people in that building, point blank, he's the guy, hundred percent the leader, offense, defense. It didn't matter when Cedric Van Pran talked; it meant something. So if they can keep him, this is going to be a big decision uh, when this comes out at some point this week. We're recording this right around 1230 on Tuesday, and I say that because I want to talk a little bit about the transfer portal and things could potentially change by the time you're listening to this. Georgia, to this point, and this goes back to December as well, said eight players go in the portal. You got Dominic Blaylock, you got Brent Scyther, who is going to Georgia Tech, Rylan Gody, offensive lineman Jacob Hood, defensive tackle Bill Norton, who is going to Arizona, inside linebacker Tresman Marshall, outside linebacker MJ Sherman, who's going to Nebraska, and cornerback Jaheim Singletary. I'll start with you, Rusty. What do you make of the people who potentially are leaving Georgia going through the portal, uh, the significance of any of those losses as we look to 2023? I, I spoke in depth with MJ Sherman's family. I've known them for a while and I have recruit covering him and recruiting. I spoke with Dominic Blaylock's family. That's how I broke it last night. I'm not going to hide that. Um you know, it's it's nobody wanted to leave Georgia. Nobody was like, we can't wait to get out of here. There was a lot of discussion on whether or not to leave. And I think when it boiled down to it, it's can you start? Can you get more touches? You've won back-to-back national championships. You look at Tresman Marshall. Tresman Marshall did four years at Georgia. I mean, he's done what he, you know, basically what he signed up for. 
ability to go play somewhere. To me, it sounds like it's going to be Oregon for him. Uh, I was just texting with Don Blaylock's family. I think Colorado and Michigan are two schools that jumped on him first thing this morning. So we'll see. I know Georgia Tech, which would be crazy to see Don Blaylock play at Georgia Tech. But, uh, you know, with him, I don't think it surprised anybody. He He's looking at an IT degree and some of the some of the classes at Georgia Tech, some of the classes at Michigan. You know, he's not just trying to get football touches for an NFL career. He's thinking 40, 50 years down the line, what am I going to do? So there'll be some options for him. Uh, but, but you know, the two particular discussions I had with MJ Sherman's family and Dominic Blaylock's family was like, um, you know, can we get more reps somewhere and, and take what we left, you know, what we've – the product we are coming from University of Georgia, teams are fighting over – these kids, I mean, teams are fighting over the Georgia players that are going to portal. And that, you know, that tells you, I think Dominic, Dominic Blaylock maybe got 140 something snaps. Um, Harris Jackson got 210, uh, from what I was told. So, you know, you look at those reps and you got new guys coming in, and maybe you get somewhere where you get 250 snaps. So I was surpri- surprised that Dominic had two years left. That's crazy, all this COVID stuff, but he played as a true freshman, if you remember. Uh, so he's got two years left. MJ has two years left. So, look, both of those kids did it right. Did it the right way. I don't think either one of them came to California thinking this is the last time I'm ever going to put on a Georgia uniform. That's just the way things work out. But that's kind of the beauty of the portal. Those kids came to Georgia. They gave it all they had. Um, played their asses off. Never gotten one ounce of trouble. Either one of them. Um, never was on a six a.m. run. Anything like that. They they uh, did what they were asked to do, and now they're going to play somewhere else. And I think Georgia fans should cheer them on. And if Dom ends up at Georgia Tech, you may not cheer him for one game, but uh, you know that's the that's just the way it is nowadays. But uh, both are really really good young men, great families, and they're thinking forty year deal. Uh, both of them extensively went into. I know MJ did what his education and what he could get at Nebraska uh, degree wise. Yeah, no doubt. Those guys contributed in a number of ways for Georgia, and there's no denying that. And like you said, Georgia fans should root for them, even if they go to Atlanta, guys. Even if you got to hold your nose, just do it and, and just do it for uh, for those guys. Uh, Kip, what's, what's your take on the three guys Georgia's landed to this point? Ra-Ra Thomas, Dominic Lovett, Smoke Bowie, the three transfer portal guys that will soon be joining the program? Yeah, uh, I mean <laughs> – Last year, Georgia went after some guys, weren't able to get any, uh, you know, had, I think, 13 guys leave uh, via the transfer portal and had nine leave the year before. So, uh, you know, this is just the way it is. It's going to be like that on an annual basis. But the guys that they have coming in, uh, when Georgia gets someone from the transfer portal, you, you know, you should probably pay attention because they're not going to get guys just to go get guys. You know, they've had some big impact guys in, in the last few years from the transfer portal. And I, I think you, you kind of look at the wide receiver position in general throughout the year when we were talking about it. Uh, it was, uh, you know, they had issues keeping guys healthy and they had issues with guys being able to get separation. You know, if, if you know, Lab was kind of the, the guy they had to lean on throughout the year. And, I mean, you're talking about two guys that, that led their SEC programs in receiving last year in Rara Thomas and Dominic Lovick. I think Dominic's guy you put right there in the slot. Whether or not, you know, Lab McConkie comes back, you're going to need, you know, more than just him. Uh, I think toward the end of the year, I mean, he was banged up. 
And having another guy and a guy that could, you know, play just as well at that position would be huge for Georgia. And then again, Rara Thomas, they went basically the whole season without A.D. Mitchell. For the second year in a row, the guy that we thought was going to be that number one receiver at Georgia uh, was, you know, had a overall a minimal impact, made big catches when, when they did have him. Uh, but he still, you had to go from point A to point B mostly w- without him out there. And I think Rara Thomas is just one of those guys that has the size, the ability to, you know, the the catch some, con- make some contested catches. Uh, that that's huge. And he, you know, you had those two guys, and also Smoke Bowie. You know, whether he plays safety, where he comes in and plays nickel, uh, DB. You know, is it, the position that you should basically, when you're asking where someone plays in Georgia's secondary. Just say DB uh, because it, it depends on the looks. It depends on, you know, w- what formation they're going up against. They, they want to have guys that they can go out there and give offenses different looks all the time. And I think you know, Smoke Movie's a guy, obviously, out of Bainbridge that Kirby Smart wanted the first time around. And, uh, you know, whether or not, you know, he had the impact at Texas A&M that, you know, people thought uh, most of that recruiting class didn't have the impact at Texas A&M that, that p- people thought when they brought in that all-time high-scoring recruiting class. So I think, you know, it's a guy that Kirby Smart trusts in his own program. He can come in and, and make an impact and, and buy into the culture there. And so you're able to get a guy like that in that had a lot of talent coming out of high school, a guy that's explosive, could potentially ha- help out in the return game as well. Uh, I mean, that secondary, you, you got to retool there. And you also got to just think about the future. So I think uh, it's a big addition for them. And, you know, you got to like what they brought in. Three potential impact guys. Like I said, you know you're going to lose guys every year. It's just the way it is. And there's normal attrition before the transfer portal. You know, people left the program before they had the chance to be eligible immediately. So it's kind of just standard operating procedure now. And I think the Georgia program overall, the guys they brought in, I mean, it's – it looks on paper to be you know stronger than where they were before. Before we get out of here, I got to do my Georgia men's basketball minute. Georgia men's basketball is thirteen and four, guys. Three and one in SEC play. They beat Ole Miss sixty-two to fifty-eight on the road. That was their first road SEC victory since February second, twenty twenty-one, when they beat. Auburn. If they beat Kentucky tonight, you and Kip be able to do a podcast tomorrow on basketball. Yeah, we'll do it live. I'll call Kip. Kip can we'll, we'll zoom it live if they win. If they win this one legitimately, they play if you're listening to this live, if you're listening to it after the fact, the game is at 9 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. If Georgia beats Kentucky, Georgia I think is about an 11-point underdog. Mike White, SEC Coach of the Year. That is not incredible if they win this game. Yes, they're going to have their hands full. Oscar Shebway, 6'9", forward for Kentucky, reigning SEC Player of the Year. Going to have a very tough matchup in that, going up to Rupp Arena. Um, but a lot of credit to what Georgia's done so far. 3-1, and one, only loss so far was on the road to Florida. Cario uh, Oquendo had probably his best second half of the season. Didn't have any points in the first 20 minutes against Ole Miss. 15 in the second half, 10 uh, his final 10 were Georgia's final 10. Georgia was down four points with about four and a half minutes to go. They rally. He just puts on a show, and they get that big road win, which, again, meant a lot to Mike White, a former Ole Miss point guard. You know, going back to Oxford and coming out with a win was big. 
Uh, big test play in Kentucky, and then you play Vanderbilt at home on Saturday. A very good Vanderbilt team, a Vanderbilt team that I believe just beat Arkansas, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, this is uh, this has been a very impressive start. Um, you've uh, gotten into SEC play well, and at this point, they've already tripled their SEC wins from uh, last season, which was not a very high bar to hit. Um, mm. but, but a lot of momentum and a lot to like so far with what Georgia men's basketball has been able to do. And yeah, if you're listening to this live, tune in 9 p.m. Eastern time tonight, ESPN, Georgia versus Kentucky. Georgia's a big underdog, but should be a pretty good matchup. If we're doing, I don't, I'm not sure if we have a subscription offer right now, but we just put on the board this morning, Kirby Smart staff back out on the road. Obviously, you got to got to kind of take those steps because of the time frame and those types of things. But uh, Georgia, we have confirmed seeing at least two five stars a day. Kirby Smart will see one play basketball tonight and, uh, we'll have a lot of good stuff out the rest of the week and still finishing up this class and where the coaches are going. So I always say it's a good time to join, and I uh, hope you guys give us a chance. Kicking in for a couple of weeks, if you don't like it, cancel it. Use that Paramount Plus, man. Go watch what's on there, too. You get all kinds of good stuff with the subscription. So we'll wrap this up. I want to say thanks to Rusty and to Kip for popping on. Appreciate everybody listening, everybody watching. Mentioning the message board, I also want to thank everybody in the junkyard. I thought – Everybody was very civil these last few days. Everybody was there for each other. And I really, really was struck by that and appreciated the support that everybody showed each other. Um, So we're going to get out of here on that. Thanks again to Kip and Rusty. Thanks for everybody watching and listening. Until next time, take care. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is the next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.